Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today I have with me a special guest, Teresa Freeman, and we will be talking about inflammation, how it affects your body how you can control or decrease it naturally without taking medication and much more. But before we get started today, I'd like to take a few moments just to hear a word from our sponsor. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Welcome back. So I'm really quite excited about today's interview because not only do I feel that this content is going to be beneficial to all of our listeners, medical, non-professional, um, but... I can't wait to learn more about this topic. It's really something that I've been interested in. And when I came across Teresa's information, I said, I need to have this young lady on the show um, and, and talk about this. So let me just give you a little uh, rundown on Teresa. Teresa has... 30 plus years of experience in the physical therapy world and massage. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Physical Therapy from Northeastern University in 1988. She has uh, her massage therapy license. She's a sports fellowship trained at uh, UNC Chapel Hill and ASMI in 1989. She worked for Orthopedic Associates as an outpatient orthopedic uh, physical therapist and uh, also did a little bit of independent work uh, after that uh, in physical therapy and uh, doing massage therapy. She has extensive training in manual therapies and musculoskeletal techniques, including fascial work, neuromuscular therapy, muscle energy, and dry needling. And uh, she is an adjunct professor at the University of New England in the PT graduate program and uh, received a, a distinguished uh, clinical faculty award back in, 19, in uh, 2014. She uh, also does some health coaching and underwent uh, health coach training at the Institute of Integrated Nu Nutrition in 2016 and IFM's uh, Functional Medicine Coaching Academy in 2018. Wow, um, this is loaded. Teresa's got a lot of uh, uh, in, her, uh, in her basket of goodies here to uh, help us with today. So hello, Teresa, and thank you so much for taking the uh, time out of your very busy schedule to be on the show with me today. Thank you. My pleasure. So Teresa, um, you know, 
let, give me a little information besides what I just talked about, about yourself and, and what drove you in the direction of wanting to um, focus a little bit more on inflammation and how it affects us. Sure. So um, that's kind of a, a multifaceted question for me. So professionally, I think I first became aware of inflammation through PT and massage and just the basic signs of inflammation that we might see in our patients with pain, swelling, bruising, redness, basic dysfunction in their bodies, um, but basically their response to injury, trauma, or surgery. And then certainly over time with my own life experience um, and more professional experience, I just realized that this inflammation goes way beyond the musculoskeletal or neuromuscular system, but it seems to be affecting all systems in the body. And then I think what made it even more rich for me is just personally becoming more aware of um, my own body's reactions to foods um, like caffeine in relation to muscle tension when I experienced neck issues or temporomandibular joint dysfunction. Um, so I noticed things like caffeine made that worse or then over time I had some sinus issues and came to realize that some foods were relevant to that, um, which I later learned really are like histamine type foods. Um, so I just became more familiar with learning that food is medicine and diet and lifestyle can really affect how our bodies function either for the better or for the worse. Um, and then to top it off, a few years ago, my husband went through cancer treatment. So I just became that much more aware with all my research and personal experience of what we can really do to affect um, how our bodies respond, either for better or the worse, and with inflammation really being the basis of all of it. Right, right. Um, so oftentimes, you know, we, we talk to our patients about having inflammation, how it can cause pain. We know that there are, um, there are aspects of inflammation that, that directly irritate the nerve endings and, and cause a lot of discomfort. And, and we often want to use an anti-inflammatory to help people get through their issues. But I think it's important that we go step back a little bit and just talk about inflammation. What is it? You know, what is the mechanism of inflammation uh, more at a, at a cellular level? Any chance we could talk about that a little bit? Sure. I, I tend to think of it, um, I do a lot of um, public speaking for Maine Health in their Learning Resource Center, so I tend to speak more in layman terms and keep it really simple and doable so people can understand it and apply it to their own lives. Sure. But I explain it mostly as the body's natural reaction to a perceived insult or threat. Um, and certainly that may involve injury, trauma, surgery, illness, or whatever the invasion is. Um, and it depends on the body system involved. But if we think about um, musculoskeletal system, I like to think of this simple example of just swelling with an acute injury where we get that influx of fluid or blood, which includes, as you know, white blood cells and different chemicals um, to the area. So certainly that's good to promote healing, but the body sometimes doesn't know when to stop. And that's when we end up with more harm than healing and can cause nerve compression or, as we know, as PT, decreased mobility and pain. So these are the things that we need to address. Um, and then as we intervene to really 
our job is to help manage the whole recovery process and minimize that excess swelling um, or inflammation, shall we say. So as PTs, we have so many tools that we intervene with. Um, personally, you know, we can think of some of the basics of just heat or cold, e-stim massage, um, patient education, home exercises. But for me, my greatest tool really has become my hands with the massage therapy that I do. So what I like to do is think of the ability to help the body decompress and relax tight muscles or decrease the pressure on stiff joints um, or painful joints like arthritic joints. And, and also as adjunct faculty at UNE, I'm fortunate enough to be able to teach some of this to the PT graduate students. Um, and I like to help them focus really on the importance of providing different techniques that allow the body to relax or let go or surrender. Um, I think of so many people, and over the years, people that come into my office that just have a high level of resting tone or tension, which really interferes with their healing. So try to bring some awareness to that and help people just slow down and get their muscles to relax. I agree. I think, you know, I have a student with me, um, and this morning we were having a conversation about total knee replacements and, and irritated, inflamed arthritic knees. And it used to be that we would try to kind of push them a little bit and stretch that to try to get them, you know, better motion. But what we're learning and what we've seen with experience is that we don't want to aggravate that, that knee. We don't want to aggravate it and increase that inflammation, which increases swelling. And when you have all of this pain, it causes this reflex shutdown. Um, right. And so being gentle with these joints slower, low load, long duration, stretching and, and manual techniques can really be helpful to, to help so that the, the muscular structure can, you know, function better and support the joint better. Um, and then I had a patient who came in this morning who um, had, you know, some sciatica for quite a long time and uh, has been undergoing a quite a rigorous course of stretching her hamstrings and just aggravating that nerve root and it becomes inflamed. And she says, yeah. I've done my exercises. I feel a little bit worse. And I'm like, well, it's because you really shouldn't be doing that. So we really modified that whole program today to just with the thought of decreasing inflammation so that right. she can step ahead and become a little more functional. Yeah. And you're right. It is a, it's a fine dance. And even conversely speaking, as PTs, uh, you well know too, sometimes we're actually choosing to invoke an inflammatory response by um, to ramp up the healing process maybe there's boggy tissue or um, a tendonitis that just isn't healing or um, an area of density that needs that deep tissue work to bring in that fresh blood supply and provoke an inflammatory response to also um, intercept and provoke more of a healing response Sure, sure. And I think, unfortunately, um, we, we talk about tendonitis is probably a little more than we should because, you know, acutely you have this, this inflammatory response that happens from injury or from repetitive use. But over time, um, you know, they've done studies with people who have tendinopathy or they've gone through the acute inflammatory phase and they've, they've taken, you know, biologic tests of the soft tissue to find there's no acute inflammation in there, but they're still having pain. So, you know, we really look at that tendinopathy a little bit different than tendinitis. Um, and I think recognizing that is, is really important also so that we kind of treat, change our program into, you know, more active loading and, yeah. and that type of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, so I agree. Again, I just reiterate, it's this fine dance of creating that balance to promote healing, not too much inflammation, but making sure you have enough to have the body respond to it to promote the healing. Are there any signs or symptoms that we should be looking for that tell us that we have inflammation in our bodies? You know, uh, not just isolated to one joint, but maybe like a globalized inflammatory issue. Um, so I, I think about, I think there are a lot of signs and symptoms that people will experience. And sometimes um, they'll, the physician may do some testing. Some of the basic tests maybe that they can perform even are like the CBC, complete blood count. And they may look for increased white blood cells or CRP levels like the C-reactive protein, which can be a sign of inflammation. And that really is like a general sign of inflammation. It doesn't tell you necessarily where it is, but that there's something going on. And then that may be something that's used as a marker to reassess at a later time to see if their general inflammatory process is improving. There's also something called cytokines, which are just small proteins. and they're like a communication or messenger in the body that ramp up or decrease inflammation and communicate with other particles in the body. So cytokines actually can be specific to um, some different elements like interferon, interleukin, interleukin that maybe you've heard of. And that can tell you more where exactly the inflammation is occurring. Um, and then there are those subclinical or very low-level inflammation um, processes that might be going on. So you can't really tell on testing, but you know, either as a patient or as a clinician, that something's going on. And those can really be obvious signs of the chronic pain, um, the hypersensitivity or dysesthesias, swelling can be even fatigue weight gain or loss in somebody too, maybe trouble with sleeping or mood changes or even digestion in general. So people just have to be very aware and communicate some of those, but they can be hard to discern, especially if they're subclinical and not easily assessed on yeah. testing. Yeah. Great. Now, Teresa, you're an author. You have a book. It's called Eat, Sleep, Poop, correct? That's right. Great, great title. And um, talk to me a little bit about that. Um, you know, what, what uh, made you want to write a book about inflammation and, and these different things? Well, when I decided to go back and do some training in health coaching, health and wellness coaching, I was always very passionate about food as medicine and I felt like more people just needed to have access to this. Very basic information, things that they could do for themselves at home. And just by having an increased awareness about how they feel in general and by considering themselves a science experiment and adapting or changing maybe the things they eat or how they behave and noticing if their symptoms change. So as I was going through health coach training, I just had to just put all my thoughts down. I would sometimes write in the middle of the night and scribbles, and, um, but eventually put it all together with an editor. And so it just feels good to have it all in one place to be able to share with people. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really, uh, 
admire that. I think that it's it's not easy to write a book and to get it published and to to put it out there. And um, so so without giving away everything in the book, I was wondering if you could give us some tidbits of information that may be helpful here with dealing with inflammation naturally. Oftentimes, as healthcare providers, we want your we want the patient to have less inflammation to help that healing process. Oftentimes they're, they're in here with an injury. We want to decrease the swelling, we want to decrease the inflammation. And we, we know that an anti-inflammatory or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, sometimes a steroid will help to decrease inflammation and, and can really propel the patient along. Now, oftentimes we get resistance from patients who say, I don't want to take any medication whatsoever. Um, so we're just going to do this au naturel. And then oftentimes we don't want patients to take too much medication because it's really not healthy for them. Um, can you give us some, some little tidbits of information that might be helpful in regards to, let's say, the foods that we eat that could help decrease inflammation or um, prevent increasing inflammation in our bodies? Right, right. So that's a loaded question. And that basically, I would have to say, is my book. but. What I'd like to do is highlight a couple of the um, main topics here. And the first thing that comes to mind is how I think we're all looking for a really simple answer. We just want this singular intervention. And I think that's where prescriptives have become so important because people just want a little pill that they can take and just feel better and the pain to go away and the injury and the illness to subside. But I've learned just over the years how layering of treatments using multidisciplinary approach, whether it be with a variety of professionals or interventions and collaborating with other people, working as a team, and not throwing the whole kitchen sink at somebody, but knowing that it isn't just one thing and oftentimes, especially with chronic or complicated issues, that we need to do more than one thing and sometimes the natural approach will take a little longer but the body ends up with a better recovery without complications so the very first thing that i think is important is to teach people about the autonomic nervous system and being made up of the sympathetic or the parasympathetic state most of us really spend a good amount of time in the sympathetic state which is that fight or flight where you have a higher level of resting tone. And I've found that it's one of the most very important things for me to teach my patients is to breathe. And so breathing, particularly controlled by the diaphragm, is innervated by the vagus nerve, which also is part of the autonomic nervous system. So by doing diaphragmatic breathing, you can actually lower that resting tone by dropping down more into the, um, to the parasympathetic state, where is the rest and recovery and healing time. So I do a, a lot of work with educating people around that and can really be, it's probably the most free, simple thing that anybody can do is just tapping into breathing. Um, that could be meditation, mindfulness, or whatnot, but simply taking some time to do some conscious breathing during the day can be very, very effective. Um, so that's usually where I start with people. And I can also send you a link. I have a YouTube 20-minute guided relaxation 
CD um, that I turned into a YouTube for people to use. So I'm happy for people to tap into that and try it. And usually sure, we I... Add, we can add that to the uh, show okay. notes today also, yeah. T super. Um, what I like to do is just have people try it once a day for a week and see if they notice any difference. And oftentimes they do. Um, a couple other pieces I think are really important to mention are... Some of them are obvious. I think they're really out in the media now, which is very exciting, is sleep. Sleep is really big. That's, again, where we do a lot of our recovery. And if we think about um, anyone that's injured or post-op or more tired, their body's working really hard to recover. So to get six to eight hours of good sleep a night is, is key. The next element is healthy digestion. So there's a lot of information in my book, how to optimize digestion, absorption. We want to be able to absorb essential nutrients for healing and to really support our detox pathways too, which could simply be bile and bladder, the lymph process, supporting the liver. So a lot of that information is there. And then as PTs, we know how important the quality of movement is um, to do quality regular movement and different types of exercise. So it's not necessarily all, all cardio, not all strength, not all flexibility, but a fine mix of exercise and mobility for optimal function. Hydration is a really simple one. And the basic... If your body doesn't have to judge, it can be soup, smoothies, whatever's non-caffeinated beverages. And then one that really could go a very, very long way is about clean diet. And clean diet is really to help keep excess inflammation at bay throughout your body and to promote healing. So the more clean we eat, the less work our body has to do on cleaning up after us yep. um but for the sim simplicity of that it's really about minimizing inflammatory foods like sugar simple carbs overly processed foods artificial ingredients those just really tax our bodies they also have a tendency to spike blood sugar and overtax the insulin pump system too yeah, I so think we have this. We have this tendency to think that you know, high uh, hot foods and spicy foods and things like that are are inflammatory. Um, and I think it's it's important for us to investigate and find out about these other things that we don't associate with inflammation um, to help decrease that. And I I really am glad you mentioned sleep here because. Um, we see this classically. I'll give one example. It's with um, you know post rotator cuff uh, surgeries. People come in, they don't sleep very well. They're in a recliner. The shoulder hurts. If the uh, you know if the sling is not positioned just correctly, they're in a lot of discomfort. And, and they right. may come into therapy, you know, three four weeks after they had surgery, they look miserable. They they feel miserable. You make a couple adjustments. You teach them how to sleep a little bit better, and um, all of a sudden, their pain level starts to drop, uh, and they uh, they just start to function yeah. better. Um, so I think I think sleep is super important, and you know I. 
I think it's not a bad idea to also experiment with things that may work and may not work, but it's, it's too much to try to do too many things to change your diet at one time. And you should be just doing one thing at a time. Like for myself, I had tried just going gluten free for about three days. Yeah, and I started sleeping like a baby. Um, you right. know, sleeping much better, breathing much better, things smelled and tasted much better. Um, but that's all I had done for three days was just change that little aspect of my diet. So I think it's important that we don't try to do a shotgun effect here and do too many things, yeah. so that you can kind of figure out what works for you. Because I'm assuming that it would be different with different individuals in regards Absolutely. to what you mm-hmm. eat and and what you take in. Yeah, and in the IIN program, we talk about in, um, bio-individuality. So just because somebody says something is good for you doesn't mean it's good for everybody, or just because somebody said this is a bad fat doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad fat for you, like the controversial coconut oil, something like that. And that's definitely what I preach is keep it simple. Choose one thing, practice that for a while, see how it works for you, adapt it or change based on that um it's just like food food sensitivities food sensitivities or allergies it's good to have a heightened awareness around that although you can take you can do food allergy testing some of the food sensitivities don't always show up on it and different people have different thresholds for certain foods like maybe you can have one piece of pizza once a week for example Um, but if you were to have three pieces of pizza two or three times a week, that wouldn't agree with you when it comes to like the gluten or the dairy or such. So it really depends on you and your system. And there is a lot of trial and error. So maybe you try a little elimination diet if it isn't too extreme. Um, Sometimes you need a physician clearance for something like that. But it could be as simple as like you did with wheat for three days. Ideally, is a minimum of two weeks. Usually, when prescribed, it's more like six weeks to really see a difference. But I think if it's significant, people will often notice a difference early on, like you did. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about your book. Um, how, long, how long has it been out for? Um, it's been out for a year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been fun. I, I do talks at the Learning Resource Center, like I mentioned, based on the book. And I just talk about basic inflammation and then how to manage diet and lifestyle, particularly in reference to sugar and glycemic index, digestion and sleep, a little bit of detox, and then kind of how to um, apply all of it too. Um, and one thing I didn't, I didn't mention or we didn't get to, but certainly there are a lot of anti-inflammatory foods like different spices like the Indian spices or ginger and such but the very basic like bright colored vegetables and simple clean proteins people say well what diet should I follow I don't really follow a specific diet but if you were to try to make a correlation I would say my favorite would be like a paleo mediterranean vegan <laughs> yeah so. I, I was going to ask that question about the mediterranean diet um i you know i i believe in it i think that um you know as far as the, the types of foods they're, they're good they're still tasty um and um and healthy for you uh so i i agree i was going to ask about that glad you brought it up yeah 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 but that's um 
that's kind of how to, how to wrap it all up. And I, I think another important piece for us as therapists and professionals is I love to collaborate and consult with other people. And I think oftentimes it does kind of take a village to help people reach their optimal recovery. So even as um, health and wellness coach, if it comes to diet, I like to refer people to a specific nutritionist or dietitian if they may need to make some significant changes or even stress. Stress can be really, really big with um, inflammation and pain. So beyond just our basic listening that we do as professionals as part of our intake and our follow-ups, sometimes they need something a little more like a talk therapist to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with that. I'm on the phone every day with uh, healthcare providers. Um, I can't do it all by myself. I've been at this for a long time. And uh, even though I have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, uh, sometimes we just need that little extra that we can't put our hands on. You know, as, as physical therapists, we can't prescribe medication or, you know, order special tests and things like that. So we, we really try to collaborate. And what I have found is that the, yeah. the more collaboration the more team members you have that specialize in a certain area that you can work with the better the outcomes with your patients and um, they feel better faster uh, and they stay better for a longer period of time and, and that's really what it's all about you know help guide them in through this inevitable healing process but how can we make that a little bit easier yeah. a little bit more expeditious um, and, and really get them to lead a lifestyle that will continue to promote that that good healing and uh, that uh, that healthy you know lifestyle, yeah. And I, I like I say to um, the PT students that I work with, it's so important to um, step aside from your ego and realize that our bodies are truly created to heal, and they know what to do. We really are just facilitators in um, prompting the body to go in the right direction and tweaking it. Absolutely. I think 15, 20 years ago, I never would have thought about talking about this stuff. But as I'm getting older, I'm in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be 50 years old. Um, you know, there, there are a few more aches and pains. Uh, when I do have an injury, the recovery is a little bit slower. I'm starting to realize this myself. And so really starting to look back and say, okay, how can we be a little more proactive? Because like I tell my patients, when you are 90 years old, I don't care that you get out of your bed and bench press it. I care that you get out of your bed and you can take care of yourself. You can yeah. wash yourself. You can feed yourself. You can put your clothes on and be as independent as possible. And yeah. I think we need to start now. Um, you know, just like investing, uh, you know, you start at a young age and you, and you do it and you keep it up right. as you go and, and the, you'll reap the benefits later on down the road. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point talking about as you age and how you start to notice a little wear and tear or injuries. There's a great term called inflammaging that somebody coined. I can't think off the top of my head too, but basically it's just the natural body's degradation, shall we say, or um, natural inflammatory process that, that occurs with the aging process and how what we can do is so significant with diet and lifestyle to either feed that fire or dampen it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, Teresa, is there anything else you'd like to mention to us before we conclude today? I would say, I would say not. We've, I think we've been very thorough and it's been great fun talking with you, so I'm glad you reached out. 
Yeah, this has been awesome. I, I, I hope that everybody uh, really enjoyed the content today. If you have any questions, please feel free to get in touch with me. You know how to do that. It's in the link in the show notes today. I'll have my email address. And Teresa, is it okay if we put yours in there? Yes, please do. Okay, great. And then we'll also add the link to Teresa's book, Eat, Sleep, Poop, and um, a link to her website so you can access it and um, you know see what she has to offer. And uh, again, Thank you so much for listening to our show today. We really appreciate uh, all the listeners out there. Uh, we continue to grow nicely, beautifully. If you uh, want a topic that you'd like us to talk about or you have a question, please feel free to send it over to me. My email uh, will be in the links uh, today. And um, again, thank you for watching the uh, or listening to the Orthway Valpal uh, podcast show. And Teresa, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks again. It was really a pleasure. All right, everybody have a nice day. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.